Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. your attention to the book of Job chapter 31 and then Matthew chapter 27 be going to the book of Job chapter 31 actually this that I am going to minister tonight is something that the Lord laid upon my heart many many years ago and then seemed like almost out of nowhere um, I, I felt the tug to revisit this, and um, matter of fact, it goes all the way back to my days as an evangelist, and um, this message that the Lord dealt with me about back then, and I just felt it so strong, and um, that doesn't happen often, but um, just kind of rework things, and I feel to deliver this tonight. Uh, Job chapter 31, verse 35, Oh, that one would answer, or one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that mine adversary had written a book. Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me and that mine adversary had written a book. If you go with me to Matthew 27, Matthew 27, somebody say praise the Lord. Matthew 27 and um, verse 12, verse 12. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Verse 14, And he answered him to never a word. And he answered him to never a word. I want to use as a subject title tonight, something better than an answer something better than an answer let's pray that the Lord would help us and that he would lay his hand upon us in this service this evening we need his help we certainly need his anointing would you pray together with me Jesus I'm asking you to speak to us through the word of God tonight pray that you would anoint this word to the hearts of every person that is under the sound of my voice I pray, God, that you would anoint me to deliver it. And I pray, God, that your work, your perfect will could be done here in this place this evening. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, could you give praise to the Lord again? Hallelujah. <clears throat> thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. The Bible tells us that there was this man from the land of Oz whose name, or Uz, that was named Job. And Job was 
perfect and upright. It tells us that he feared God and he eschewed, and I know that that's a King James Version word that we don't use a lot. He eschewed, that meant that he actually hated or despised evil and evil doing. He possessed untold riches. In fact, the Bible describes him as being the richest man of the East. But unlike many people that grow rich and that have many possessions, his riches did not make him haughty. They did not make him high-minded. They did not make him prideful or arrogant in any way. But there is proof that he prayed and he sacrificed before God daily. Not only for himself, but we find evidence that he did this for his children also. It is uh, very, very important that you realize that this man Job was uh, a man that it could be said or described of him who had things together. He had it together socially. He had it together economically. He had it together, it appears, spiritually. Yet this did not insulate him. This did not keep him from experiencing some trials in his life. Even this man that daily prayed and gave sacrifices unto the Lord, this man that was perfect, the Bible said, and upright or a righteous man, he still had some troubles that came his way because the scripture says that now there was a day, which leads us to recognize the fact that a lot of things can happen in a 24-hour period of time. A lot of things can happen in just one day. Isn't that right? I mean, a lot of things can take place. Your world can be turned upside down. Uh, one report can flip everything on its ear, and everything can change in just a little bit of time. And on this particular day in Job's life, it began with a servant coming I guess perhaps a knocking on his door and reporting to him that his oxen had been stolen. And, and uh, he said, I alone have escaped to tell thee about it. And I, I would imagine that, you know, this was something that Job initially felt like he could overcome and that he could deal with. But as sometimes it happens, this was not the only thing that occurred. It was like a domino effect in Job's life. In fact, the scripture says that while the servant was yet speaking, there came another servant with another negative report and said, Job, I just come to report to you that your sheep, I know it sounds ironic, I know that perhaps this seems like a wild thing to take place, but fire has fell from heaven and consume them all and their servants or your servants that would oversee them was also consumed and I alone have escaped to tell thee about it. 
and you know, Job now is rocking and reeling and probably wondering what in the world is going on, but he has resources. I mean, he is the richest man of the East, and this is going to make a dent. This is going to hurt, but he can absorb it. He can get over it. But while he yet spake, there came another servant with another negative report and says that your camels have been destroyed and I alone have escaped to tell thee about it. And so these possessions, one by one, are being stripped away from him. Uh, the things monetarily that he has trusted in are being taken away one by one. And then the most horrible news that any parent could receive, a servant comes and notifies Job that while your children were gathered in your eldest son's home, they're celebrating together. There was a storm that came and blew against the house that they were in and blew it asunder and destroyed it and consumed them all and their servants along with them. And I was the only one. I alone escaped to tell thee about it. Job at this point, I'm sure, was wondering what in the world is going on. And I am certain of one thing because it's evident as you read this passage, this story, and you get on into uh, the book of Job, which consequently is the eldest book of the Bible, theologians believe. So what does that say to us? That tells us that people, good people, righteous people, in this case, uh, this man had... Uh, a resume that none of us in this room could turn in to God and that that he was perfect. Does anybody feel like you're confident enough to say that you're perfect? He was perfect. And yet it did not, again, insulate him from having problems. So as far as we can go back and record the history of man, we're finding that men and women, even of God, have been confronted with trials and there's been troubles and problems that have came their way. And it would seem at this point that, that and we have evidence again of it, that Job, he begins to wonder what's going on and he begins to ask some questions. Yeah, and it would seem if anybody had the right really to ask questions of God, it would certainly be Job. This man had been so faithful. He had lived so righteously. I mean, every, every T crossed, every I dotted. He had lived according to the precepts of the Word of God. Everything was so perfect about him. And this is a man of character, a man of prayer, a godly person, a man that was really blameless according to what we can see in the Scripture. Yet, after he got through asking his questions, there really is no evidence that Job received any immediate answers. And I think this teaches us all something, and that is in life, life is filled with a whole lot of unanswered questions. And sometimes there's no simple answer there's no simple formula. There's no waving a wand over it like we say. There's no just little phrase that will fix it. Really in life, we need more than an answer. 
in life, we need more than just uh, an answer to one question because life is filled with so many questions. Amen. As soon as you get the answer to one question, it seems like there's another one that arises. And then you get the answer to that, and there's another question that arises in your life. And it's just repetitive. It's a cycle. There's one question after another. It's repeated over and over again. Why the struggle? Why the pain? Why the hardship? Why the difficulty? Life, unfortunately, has a whole lot of questions. Why did this happen? What, what could have prevented it? Why did I receive this diagnosis? Why am I experiencing this setback in my life? Why did this person, this individual, this institution, this uh, friend, this relationship, why did it fail? Why did it fall apart? And I suppose we could all analyze those things and maybe we could come up with some uh, logical answers to those questions. But I'm just going to tell you, as sure as I stand here tonight, as quickly as you find an answer to those questions, if you just keep living, there's going to be some more questions that are going to arise. There's going to be some more situations that are going to come up. There's going to be some more confusing circumstances that are going to come to your life. You're going to need more than an answer. The Hebrew writer tells us in 16, uh, or in chapter 6, in verse 19, rather, that there is, in fact, something better than an answer for you and I. He explains, and this is a very deep passage. We know that the entire book of Hebrews is very deep in its meaning. But it says in chapter 6 and verse 19 that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Aren't you thankful that we can find consolation, that we can find comfort? We have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge. I'm thankful that I can preach that there is a refuge from the storm to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So what the Hebrew writer is telling us in this particular passage is when you don't have answers to life's complex questions, and there's going to be a whole lot of them, an anchor will sustain you in life's tight places. That there is an anchor that will sustain you in life's storms. That there is something better than an answer. And that is an anchor that will sustain you through the troubles and the trials that challenge and confront us in our walk with God. Amen. I wish I could tell you that once you got the Holy Ghost, you never did have another problem. 
You never did have another crisis. You never did have another situation. But what I can tell you is that if you didn't have God, you'd still have problems. You'd still have difficulties. And you'd still have challenges. Amen. And the difference is, is if you're living for God, you have consolation. You have comfort. You have strength. You have somebody to help you. You have somebody to turn to. You have somebody to appeal to. You have somebody to call on. You have somebody that is going to be there. Why don't you clap your hands if you know whom I'm talking about tonight. And an anchor. Let's talk about this anchor for a little bit here tonight. An anchor is only helpful when it holds to something that is solid. Note that he said that it's both sure and steadfast. Amen. We, we understand that an anchor, it, it does us no real benefit if it's not holding to something that is strong. If, if it's just down uh, holding to something that can easily be uh, ripped from the bottom uh, of the ocean floor or the lake or whatever it is that we're anchoring to or wherever we find ourselves if it's something that can just be easily uh, stripped from the bottom and carried off with the current, uh, it's not going to serve our purpose. It's not going to help us. It's not going to benefit us at all. But for it to be a benefit to us, it has to be on something solid. It has to be on something steadfast. Aren't you thankful tonight that we we have something that is steadfast? We have something that is sure. Amen. Our God that we serve, the Bible says that in him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He is consistent. He is the same. Your word says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Trends of this world will change. Uh, political powers will change economic conditions will change a lot of things will fluctuate in this world but I tell you one thing that won't change and that'll stay the same and that is steadfast and consistent in your life and that is the God that we serve it's the one that we're anchored to and I'm thankful when everything else fails I can lean on him I can trust in him I can hold to him because he's both sure and steadfast. I want to offer a strong consolation to somebody that's in this place. I want to comfort somebody that's in this house. The boat may be reeling. The waves may be tossing. The wind may be blowing. But if you're hooked to him, if you're a hold and anchored in him, everything in the end is going to be all right. One of these days the storm will subside. Amen. One of these days the wind's going to cease and the waves are going to calm. Amen. And you're still going to be anchored to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. The rock that is sure and steadfast. Many of you have heard that song that Sister Ewing wrote many years ago, where did the wind go? Who stopped the rain? I only remember calling on his name or something to that effect. 
And you have to know the inspiration for that song. It came from Brother Spears preaching there for them, and they were the, the Ewing family going through a dark time, and and uh, they were sitting around the dinner table after church one night, fellowshipping, and and she was talking about this storm that they were in, and uh, and Brother Spears made that comment about God controlling the wind and that when he says enough, the storm just goes away. And when he made that comment, it gave the inspiration for that song to Sister Ewing and she went and wrote it down. And of course, it's blessed many of us and encouraged many of us through the years. Where did the wind go? Praise God. Amen. But I'm thankful that while the wind is blowing... I don't always have control over that. I, I'm in it, and I don't always know what to do. Amen. But I can just hold on to Him. I can put my faith and my trust in Him. I can keep anchored to what I know is right. I can stay sure to the things that I know is not going to change. Praise God. I've said it many times. The very worst thing that you can do is make a life-altering decision when you're in a storm. Amen. That's right. When a hurricane is blowing, and uh, they, they tell they, these hurricanes that were just taking place off the uh, Gulf Coast down there, both Irma and Harvey, over and over again, I was listening uh, on the radio, and they were telling them repeatedly, when it gets to a certain point, uh, it's not time then to make some kind of rash decision to go out in the storm and try to go somewhere else to find shelter. You hunker down where you are. You stay right what you're doing because if you try to make a transition, you try to make a, a, a decision uh, of that consequence during a storm, uh, there, there's going to be some detriment to pay for. There, it's a dangerous thing for you to try to endeavor to do. You, you, you just need to to stay with the decision that you made and the choice that you made previous to the storm arriving. Amen. I see a lot of people they get blowed out of church. They get blowed out of their relationship with God when the wind comes and when the storm begins to rage because it wasn't something that they were counting on. It wasn't something that they saw in the forecast. But I'm just going to tell you if you'll stay true to God, He'll keep you. He'll be there for you. And he'll secure you in the storm. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Come on, let's give some praise to our God right now. Anchors are important. I remember I was preaching down outside of Lake Jackson long, many years ago, and pastor there at the time, he, he had a... Uh, he had about a 15-foot, I guess, aluminum boat. And he didn't realize that he didn't have a, a yacht, I guess. To him, he thought he could go anywhere with a 15-foot aluminum boat with about a 25-horse uh, tiller-type steering. And you should have seen us. I, from California, never had much experience in, in the Gulf and, and really out and certainly never with... Uh, Somebody in a aluminum flatbed boat that had a, I guess, a, a complex that they could do anything. And uh, 
we went out and he said, we're going to go out here to the end of this jetty and we're going to fish. And I didn't realize they put those jetties out there for a reason, to break the surf, you know. He said, we're going to go out to the end of it. And the more we started out that way, the more nervous I got. And I mean, we was riding those little swells up. And I'm sure they weren't a big deal to a bigger boat, but they were a big deal to me. He said, we're going to go out here and anchor. And uh, he said, we'll fish out here on this point. And uh, we just kept going. And then I seen them things. They started white capping and coming over. And then they start, I was sitting up towards the front of the boat, and, and water started kind of coming over. We started cutting the waves, you know, knifing the waves. And I said, hey, man. I said, I'm not, I'm a pretty good swimmer, but I'm not stupid either. I said, I, that's a long ways back to the bank. And, uh, and uh, this just doesn't seem like the thing to do. I mean, we're out here. Uh, you need a seagoing vessel, at least something bigger than this. This little 20-horse motor can barely make it out here. And uh, then, then we're in this little vessel that we're in, and we're being tossed around, and water, we're taking on water. And, and he said something about getting a cup there and dishing out some of the water. I said, man, it's coming in here quicker than you could ever think about dishing it out. <laughs> Finally, I guess... Uh, he realized that common sense finally took over his ego, and we was able to turn around and come back. And uh, I got to thinking, he had a, a little old anchor in the bottom of that boat, and I thought, you know, in calm conditions, that anchor might be able to hold. But when a storm's on, you're going to need that thing to be hooked up to something. And I don't know if he had enough line or rope to go down and to even find the bottom, much less be able to get a hold of something down there. And, and I didn't know if I wanted to be tethered to anything when we had all this storm going on and, and waves crashing over. I didn't really want to be there. And uh, so, uh, of course... I felt so vulnerable. I, I felt like I was just out there in in the midst of it. And, and uh, one other occasion, I, I was with a guy, and we were fishing over. And he said, man, they got some big Opelousas catfish in this uh, Trinity River down here. And, and uh, he said, we'll go down there. And he said, I know how to get them. He said, I, I can get them. He said, uh, he said we, we, I got all the rigging and everything. And we got there, and the bank was so steep going down they kind of had a, a kind of a, a pulley-type system that would lower the boat down there. He said, you want to get in the boat? And he said, I'll winch it down there. I said, no. I said, you go ahead. I'll winch you down there. And, uh, and we got down there, and I was glad I didn't. Finally, he got the boat launched, and I, I slipped off down the bank somehow and got in the boat. And it was when they built those locks in, in the Trinity River back around the wartime when they were going to try to move ships through there. And so these big concrete walls was there. He said, them, them catfish, he said, they like to lay up in them locks. He said, they get way back up in there. He said, that's, and he said, you get that line, the current sucks it back in there, you bait. And he said, man, that's where you can get them. He said, I know how to get them. I said, okay. We turned the corner there to go up in that, between those walls. And, uh, I looked and there was a log that was had was a cross, the stuck in there, wedged in there, and on one side it was down low. And he said, uh, "Boy," he said, "I wasn't counting on that log." He said, "But uh, he said I think we can get over it on this side over here." 
it just looked more dangerous than I wanted to deal with. And finally, we got up in there, and he said, you know what? I'm going to tie off up in here. I said, well, tie it good. Because I knew if we come loose, there wasn't going to be enough time to find that little path to go out. We was going to have to go over that little waterfall that was down there, and there was a good chance we could capsize. And though I had a life jacket, and if I could have, I'd have put two of them on. I knew that a life jacket probably wouldn't do you any good in that kind of current with it balling like it was over on the other side of that log. And, and uh, we got up in there, and would you believe we were sitting there fishing. All of a sudden, I noticed the boat started moving. Our, I'll call it an anchor line. It wasn't an anchor. He was tied off to something there. It came loose. And he was back there trying to crank the motor. And, I mean, he was really trying quick to crank the motor. I said, is it going to start? He said, I'm trying. And, uh, and, and, I mean, we're coming down to where that log is across in that little waterfall, you know. I said, man, it looks like we're going over it. He said, well, hold on. And, uh, and he didn't want, he afraid the motor was going to get caught on it. So when he picked up on the back of the motor, it came completely off the boat and, and pulled it up in the boat with us. And I just, I, I, I was just, I was only about 22 or three years old, but I was just about at heart attack level at that point. And I was shaking and praying and, and we, we kind of rode over that deal and it bobbed and took on a little water but we made it and we got on down there he put the boat motor back on there and he got everything working again he said you want to go back up in there I said no sir not interested in the least at getting back up in there he said was you was you was you praying I said praying brother I said I was up to date prayed through brim full of the Holy Ghost by the time we got to that log I said, my God. I said, take me over and drop me off. I said, I'll crawl up there. It was an area we could crawl up on top of that wall. And I said, I'll try to get my bait to go in there by the top. I'll let it go down that way. And, and you can do all that kind of fishing you want to do. I'm not interested in that. But I felt vulnerable when my line came loose and when the current began to take over. I felt safe as long as I was connected to something. But when I was just unleashed into the current, I didn't feel safe anymore. I'm going to tell you, a lot can go on in this whole world, and there's a lot going on, isn't there? I mean, there's a whole lot that has taken place. And, and you don't have, you can read over there in about Luke 24, and you can find everything that is happening in our world. You can read about it right there, the words of Jesus talking about what the last days were going to be like talking about oceans roaring, talking about earthquakes in diverse places. Hey, it's happening. It's taking place. It's, it's all being fulfilled before our very eyes. Amen. But I'm thankful that when the current is raging like it is right now, that I'm anchored, I'm tethered to Him. Hey, Amen. I'm connected to Him. That I'm not just out here on my own. I'm not just treading water by myself. But I'm in this together with God. Amen. That He's on my side and that He's going to help me through the storm. If you believe that, you ought to give some praise to Him right now. But an anchor, it's important that it be tethered to something that is solid, connected to something that's solid, 
It's important that your boat be anchored to something that's solid. And he said that this anchor that he was speaking of was an anchor within the veil or in a holy place. And we know that the holies of holies, if you was to take a broad view of this, we know that that place, typical to us, of the Holy Ghost. And I'm so thankful that when we're in a storm, that we have the Holy Ghost that will guide us and lead us and direct us. And the Holy Ghost is a comfort to us. Isn't that one of the definitions of what the Holy Ghost is? Is a comfort to us. Amen. In times when we don't understand why we're facing some of the discouraging and desponding situations that are going on in our world, aren't you thankful that we have the Holy Ghost to comfort us? Hallelujah. Praise God. But, but I got to thinking about some of the articles that were on the inside of that holy place or that holies of holies. Of course, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and it had the cherubs that were on top of it. And between those cherubs was the presence of God. The Shekinah glory of the Lord dwelt in that place. Hallelujah. I want to just state to you tonight that when problems come into your world, into your life, and you've you got situations that you don't know what to do with, you can come into the presence of God and find hope. You can find peace. You can find joy. Matter of fact, the Bible said in his presence is fullness of joy. People that don't have joy in their life, they're spending too much time separated from the presence of God. And not enough time in the presence of the Lord. Because fullness of joy. If you want joy in your life, you don't have to go to the nightclub. You don't have to go to the drug den. You don't have to seek it out in immorality. You don't have to go anywhere else but in the presence of Almighty God. Everything that you need as far as joy can be found. And you can be filled with joy in the presence of God. We also know that in the presence of the Lord that no flesh glories in his presence. Amen. No flesh glories. When, when, I, when I need to get into a place where I need some help that man can't give me. Come on. People, they, they do their best to try to find help and and, and, and every every aspect of life, search around, look around, call this one, call that one, look to that one. This one over here, maybe they've got the answer. I'm going to tell you, in the presence of God, you can receive the things that you need. No flesh glories. God can take care of this by himself. He doesn't need my help or your help or anybody else's help. He can take care of this all by himself. And when it's all said and done, he's going to get the glory for it. 
Amen. I'll run over here and get a little, I'll get some counseling from this psychologist. And I'll go over here and I'll get some, I'll get some help from this over here. I, I'll get some help from this person over here. I'm going to tell you something. When God brings you out, when God helps you, you're going to know that it was Him that did it. And He's going to get the praise and He's going to get the glory. And he's going to get the worship and He's going to get the exaltation. No flash glories in His presence. But, but what, was, what was in that Ark of the Covenant? Well, there was several articles that were in that Ark of the Covenant that were very significant and that were reminders to God's, of God's power to Israel. And God specifically told them to put it in there so that they would remember it. First of all, there was Aaron's rod that had budded. And it was pla- here was a stick that had been dead as far as able to bear any kind of life or to give forth a bud or to give off almonds. But the Scripture says that by the miraculous power of God, it did bud and give forth almonds. And the Lord, when it was all said and done, said, I want you to put that rod of Aaron, I want you to put it, in the Ark of the Covenant, and it typifies my miraculous power, my ability to perform miracles. This was all the way back in the Old Testament. God said, I want my people to be reminded of the fact when you go over into the promised land, I want you to be reminded of the fact that I'm a God that is of miraculous power and I'm able to do exactly what I said. I have the power to bring you out of any situation. I have the power to take care of every need. I have the power to work in your life. I have the, the ability. I'm a miracle worker. I want to remind somebody here, if you've got an anchor in a holy place, you, you've got an anchor in a place where, where God can give you miracles, where God can give you miraculous power. We need to keep believing that God is able to give me the miracle that I've been praying for and been believing for and trusting Him for. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still able to turn lives around. He's still able to transform an individual's heart. He's still able to get a hold of that person that is away from him. He's still able to work miracles in my life. You come too late to tell any one of us that he's not a miracle worker. You come too late to tell any one of us that he doesn't answer prayers and work in miraculous ways. We're here as a testimony that he's still in the miracle working business. I got an anchor in the holy place that he's still a miracle worker. I got a testimony that he's still able to perform miracles in my life. Oh, let's give him some praise. That's awesome. He's a miracle worker. I got an anchor in the holy place. What was what was in that holy place? It was also in that ark of the covenant. There was also that pot of manna. Now you got to understand this manna deal. It was it would perish if they tried to just hold it over a day. Other than on the sixth day, they would gather twice as much, and God would keep it on the Sabbath. But when that cycle was through, they had to go out and gather every day the portion for that day, and then that manna 
if they tried to hoard it, if they said, man, I, I just, you know, I don't, I'm going to take the day off tomorrow. I'm going to get twice as much today. The Bible said it would breed worms and stink and be unedible. But that same manna that would perish and that would rot, basically, he said, you take a little pot of that and you place it in my presence and I'll preserve it. I'm going to tell you, again, if you can stay in the presence of God, God will preserve you and save you. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. So you place it in there, I'll preserve it. But it's going to be a reminder that I provide for my people. Amen. They were in a wilderness place. They didn't have any, any way. They were sojourners. They were traveling. They were uh, seeking out uh, uh, every day the direction that God would lead them. And, and, and so they, they couldn't stay any place long enough to plant and, and to harvest a crop. And, and in many of the places they were in the wilderness, it would not have been suitable ground or soil for them to do so. But the Lord said, I've got a remedy. He said, I am going to send manna with the dew of the morning. And I think that's significant in itself, the dew of the morning. It's something that's so commonplace to us. It's kind of like the sun coming up. We don't sit around and worry all night. What if the sun's going to come up tomorrow? We may sit around and worry when we got a grout sale on Saturday whether or not it's going to rain. We don't worry about the sun coming up because just like clockwork, it happens. Matter of fact, it's so predictable that they can tell you when the sun is going to rise five years from now. Did you know that? Ten years from now. They got it figured out. It's a science. It, it's just measurable stuff. They got it all figured out. Tell you what exact time. Sunrise. You can look on your phone. They got all kind of little apps. Amen. It kind of helps out people that like to hunt and fish. You can get on there and you can look when the sun's going to come up, when it's going to set, when it's going to go down. And, and it'll tell you precisely when it's going to happen because it's so predictable. Well, the dew's sort of like that. We kind of expect it. It's, it's such a common thing. And he said, I'm going to send it. I'm going to send something so powerful in an ordinary way. You know, sometimes the miraculous, we'll miss it because we're looking for something huge and we're looking for something to shake us to our boots and we're looking for something. We got eyes only looking around for the supernatural. And when I'm going to tell you, if you come here and hear the word of the Lord every service and, and, and you're here uh, 25 years from now, the Lord, Terry, or you've been here 25 years, uh, the, the past 25 years, and God has kept you and you're still living for God, I'm going to tell you, that's a big miracle. Don't underestimate that. I said, don't. When all the devil's thrown at you and all that he's tried to trip you up with, uh, amen, you went through a lot of valleys and come over a lot of mountains and there's been a lot of rugged trails that you've been on, but God has kept you and walked with you and been there for you time and time again. I'm going to tell you, that's a miracle. To some people, that's just like the dew in the morning. Oh, you know, that's no big deal. I'm going to tell you something. You come in here and you're hungry for God. God will speak to you through the word of the Lord. It may not seem like a big deal when a preacher gets up here and starts to preach but if he is anointed of the Holy Ghost and he begins to speak in the Holy Ghost and it speaks to you where you are it may be like the dew that comes in the morning but there's something miraculous that's happening there's something powerful that's taking place in that 
Amen. We get so caught up in the extraordinary and the uncommon that we can't see how God is trying to work in our lives sometimes. Somebody say they can't see the common habit of prayer being that beneficial to them. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather take a shortcut. I'd rather depend on somebody else being hooked up to God. I'd rather depend on somebody else being able to give me a word. Hey, God will speak to you if you'll pray. And when you're praying, it may seem like such a common task to come in here and pray and seek the face of God. But while you're in here praying, while you're in here uh, overcoming the flesh and crucifying the flesh and cleaning and purifying the flesh and pouring your heart out to God, it's then and that common place of prayer that God could speak to you and give you direction and give you answers and work in your life in an uncommon way. Don't get caught up in trying to just look and search and run after everything that's uncommon and miss what God's trying to do through the common things of life. Come on. Come on, living for God's a whole lot more practical than we sometimes think it is. That's right. You just have to settle in sometimes. Say, so you know what? Hell or high water, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm just here. You got me on your hands. I'm going to live for God. Devil, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be back. I'll be back. You write it down. I'll be back. Put it on your calendar, Satan. I am going to be around, and I'm still going to be serving God when the chips are down. I'm still going to be serving God when the dust settles, when everything is over with, and you've thrown your best at me. I'm still going to be in the fight. I'm still going to be living for God. He said, you put that man in there, and it's going to be a sign in my provision. I got an anchor in a place that I know that God will provide for me. I'm reminded of the fact that He'll be there for me. I'm going to tell you, we, we started traveling. We got to get something done about these hurricane vents we got up here. Uh, we started traveling. As you know, and I've told it many times, the first trailer burnt completely to the ground. Everything that was in it, I didn't have anything but this, I had a pair of sweats on, I think, and a, and a shirt, and it was ripped, and didn't even have shoes on my feet. Wife brought me sh- her grandfather's shoes to wear, and they was those Dr. Scholl-type deals. So, you know, I was ready for the next revival. You know that. And... First one thing to another, God began to bless. I remember when we went to the first real revival, and I was, finally got another trailer, and I opened up the covers one time. My wife was away. She would went with the pastor's wife to a ladies' meeting that night, and I thought, well, I'm going to get me something to eat. Over there and opened the cupboard, and there was like two cans. I said, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> And so, and I thought about that today, how God has provided. When I dedicated my life to him, I can tell you from that moment till this, I've never been hungry. I've never been without. Matter of fact, there's not been one creditor that I've had to put off in 25 years of 
being full-time in the, in the ministry. There's not been one creditor that I've had to put off. There's not been one default on anything. Now you have to use common sense. I hadn't had all of my wants, but I've had all of my needs met. And I'm so thankful that I can say before you tonight that God's a provider. God's a provider. And he'll provide for you. I tell you that to tell you that he'll provide for you. Then, when I got to looking in that holy place, it tells me that not only was there Aaron's rod that budded in the pot of manna, but even, even, the scripture says there was a time when those things were taken out. And there was only really one thing that remained in that ark. And that was the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses. The Word of God. When those things, when that was the only thing that remained in there, that was still enough. That was still enough. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, when, when we're not seeing the miracles working like we'd like them to, and we're not seeing everything coming, coming supernatural like we'd like it to, that doesn't mean that God isn't going to sustain us. We still have his word. I said we still have his word to hold on to. The Bible said we're begotten by the word of God. I'm going to tell you these two things work together, tandemly together, not in competition with one another, but they work together, spirit and the word. The Bible talks about spirit and truth have met together. And, 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 and spirit and truth balance one another. We, we know that, that we need the spirit to move. We're a Spirit people, we're, we're a Holy Ghost people, and I'm thankful for that. But we need the Word of God to solidify everything that the Spirit does. Amen. And, and, and I have found that the Spirit moves, and, and then the Word of God comes in, and, and it, 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 it backs it up. And it, you know, the Word of God's kind of like, like you when, when you, when you, pull your flatbed trailer up there on a hillside somewhere and you unhook it from your car and you're afraid that it's going to go down. I remember one evangelist, he had one of those little old one-axle trailers, you know, he and his wife, and he was a rather rotund fella. And uh, he, he got it unhooked and he went to get in it and he went in the back of the trailer and the tongue came up on the front. And uh, so anyway, thank God that he put a scotch behind the wheel or he'd have been down the parking lot. You got to put a scotch in there sometimes, amen. And and that's what the word of God is. It keeps you from rolling back. It keeps you from giving up when you know the word of God. This is what the word of God says. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. We know that the word of God is true. We know that God, amen, established his word. It's forever settled in heaven. It isn't going to change, amen. I can rest my belief. I can rest my faith. I can rest my assurance and my trust in the word of God. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. When I don't have money, I've got His Word. 
when I don't have people, when they walk out on me, I've got his word. When nobody's prophesying, I still got the word. When there's no special feeling, I still got the word. Amen. And this word's forever settled. This word tells me I'm his child. This word tells me that I have hope. This word tells me that someday he's coming back to get me. Amen. Someday he's coming back for his church. I'm thankful that I know the word of God and that I have the word of God. In conclusion tonight, there's a, a nautical term. They're going to help me. There's a nautical term that is used. It's called kedging. And what it is is because of the difference in tides in the ocean and sometimes a boat will get on the maybe the shoals or in the, a shallow place and get in a low tide and get caught there. Or maybe the captain didn't know the area and got out of the channel and got in a shallow area. What they can do is that they're sailing in a direction. They can take that anchor and cast it out ahead of them. And then they'll take a winch of some kind or if it's a small craft, they'll pull themselves towards that anchor. Then, after they've made that progress, then they'll cast that anchor out ahead of them again and pull that vessel towards that anchor. I'm going to tell you the storm may sometimes the wind and everything blowing contrary to you may blow you away from where you'd like to be but as long as you got a connection as long as you're still anchored where you need to be you can always pull yourself towards him. And that's what we do when we come to church and we worship God when we don't feel like it. And we we come to prayer meeting when we don't feel like it. And we, we pray and we agonize before God and we have faith and we seek the face of God when our feelings are contrary to it. We still worship the Lord. Amen. We're spiritually, we're catching, we're coming closer to the anchor because it's in a holy place. It's in his presence. And if I can get to where that anchor is, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Would you stand with me right now? Hallelujah. There's some things that you need to anchor your life to. There's some things that you need to anchor your life to. You need to anchor it to the presence of God, to the Word of God. Amen. You need to anchor some things and settle some things in your heart. Make up your mind. I'm going to stay connected to this. I'm not going to let anything break this. I'm not going to let anything separate me from this. That's how the Apostle Paul could say it. He said, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing, and he begins to list all of these things that may be a possibility of someone being separated. He talks about things present, and then he talks, talks about things to come. Amen. Uh, he said, I'm already making a commitment that even things to come are not going to separate me from the love of Christ. Amen. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. I wonder if there's somebody that'd like to... You, you may have to pull yourself closer to the anchor tonight. You may have to take hold of that line and pull yourself up to this altar. 
But if you get up here and raise your hands and get in the presence of God and, and feel, amen, that I may not have a lot of answers right now, but if I've got an anchor in Jesus, if I've got an anchor in Him, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Amen. Why don't we come right now as they come to play music? I wonder if you wouldn't just come up around this front as we conclude tonight and say, God, I just need you. I need you to help me to once again enter in your presence, be encouraged again and strengthened again by the presence of God and the touch of God and the help that comes from being in the presence of the Lord. I need you, God. I need your help. Oh, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But, God, I have you, and you'll be enough. You'll help me. You'll strengthen me. You'll bless me. You'll keep me. You'll watch over me. You'll provide for me. You'll give me the miracle that I need. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, precious Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I'm anchored in a holy place. I'm anchored in the presence of God. I, I got the Holy Ghost. Hey, Amen. I got a real experience in God that's going to keep me. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on. Let's pray with one another. There's people here that need strength in their spirit. I feel that tonight. You need strength in your spirit. You need help from on high. You need the Lord to touch you. You need the Lord to minister to you. You need the Lord to bless and to strengthen and confirm some things to you. He will do that tonight if you'll trust Him. If you'll put your faith in Him. If you'll open up your heart to Him. Hallelujah. Come on, pray with your brother. Pray with your sister in the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, precious God, precious God.